Today, if you're watching the news across the board from CNBC, one of the biggest topics they're currently talking right now is about inflation. And another thing that they started talking a little bit more is about the airline industries and the hard hit sectors like the casinos. And Wall Street just keeps talking about the inflation problem, which is fine because that's what they want to currently talk about. But there's some other major news that recently came out, and a lot of it has to do with the tech sector in general or the aerospace industry. And it's going to be interesting to see. And, 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 the other, and another thing, too, had to do with the car industry as well. Car industry hasn't been talked about as much in Wall Street. They're reporting it on the article side of things, but on the channels, they're not reporting a lot of what's happening. Okay. Today's articles that we're going to be talking about. First, we'll talk about how Boeing orders deliveries rise in September and what that means for Boeing going forward. Okay. We have some news from the Bitcoin world too, where Bitcoin is steadily at 19,000 amid growing signs of institutional adoption and what that could potentially mean for the cryptocurrency giant going forward. Honda has some news as well. Honda Honda announced is announcing today they're going to build a 4.4 billion EV battery plant to be built in Ohio, and we'll talk a little bit about that. GM has an announcement too that they're launching a new business to connect homes and businesses with EV chargers and energy storage. The EV market's becoming bigger and bigger news every single day. And so we'll talk about what that could potentially mean for the EV markets. And one of the biggest announcements that Wall Street is sleeping on, okay, it doesn't it doesn't seem that big currently right now, but when I get to it later, it will be, has to do with the company Nightscope. Nightscope announces acquisition of case emergency systems, and we'll get into that when the time comes as well. With that being said, I have to remind you all that I'm not a professional advisor in any way, shape, or form. Everything I talk about on this podcast is for information purposes only. I cannot legally give you advice on what you can or what you can or should invest. You need to go talk to a professional advisor because they understand your situation a lot better than I would. I legally cannot give you financial advice in any way, shape, or form. This podcast is for information and entertainment purposes only. I do have to say before we start this podcast that I do have long positions in both Bitcoin and Nightscope. And... This is not le- this is not financial advice in any way, shape, or form. This is for entertainment and information purposes only. With that, let's begin today's podcast. Boeing orders deliveries rise in September. Boeing said Tuesday its deliveries rose in September to 51 airplanes, while orders rose by 90% as the plane maker continues to see strong demand for new aircraft. Boeing delivers la- deliveries last month tied to its 51 deliveries in June, when it exceeded the 50-plane threshold for the first time since March of 2019. In August, Boeing deliveries rose to 35 planes after it resumed handovers as its 787 Dreamliner after a 15-month delay. Last month, Boeing had 51 new 737 MAX airplane orders and 45 wide-body airplanes, including 14 777s. In September, Boeing delivered 14 wide-body planes, including the 7 787s, including the 787-8s to American Airlines. American Airlines told Rudders Friday that since August, it has received four 787s from Boeing and are all in service. Boeing's commercial order backlog now stands at 4,354 planes. Boeing has delivered 328 planes in the first nine months of 2022, including 267, 337 maxes. Boeing's faces a December deadline to win regulatory approval for the MAX 10, which is slightly larger than the current 737 MAX in services, as well as the smaller variant, the MAX 7. Unless it gains an extension from Congress, Boeing must meet new modern cockpit alternating requirements that could significantly delay the plane's entry into services. Last week, regulatory told Congress that Boeing does not anticipate wide approval of the 737 MAX 10 before next summer. Boeing seems to be 
back on track with a lot of stuff. Now, granted, I still think there's a lot of management problems within Boeing because if I remember correctly, we had reported in past podcasts and I would listen to those past podcasts if you want to get more information about that. Boeing was having some issues when it came to the building of their planes at the time. And they were having issues as well. In fact, they were having to move one of their, I think it was their headquarters was moving closer to DC so they could handle the issues that were happening with the regulatory side of the federal government and what they're looking for. But Boeing, at least right now, I mean, having a backlog of 4,354 planes, if Boeing can continue being able to hit the above 50 mark, then you might see profits start returning to Boeing in a way. This isn't financial advice, obviously. It's just an observation. I mean, they haven't been able to do that since 2019. And now it's the first time they hit 51 since 2019. So maybe Boeing starts getting momentum back in its services so that they can be able to start becoming that printing machine again, as they used to call it. Should be interesting to see. What, but I still think that until I, I don't, I don't know if Boeing has brought back its dividend. That would be a clear indicator to me, to me that things were on back on track at Boeing if they were to bring back the dividend for Boeing. But keep an eye out for Boeing because maybe Boeing's days of. I guess you can call it turbulence, no pun intended, is finally might be coming to an end slowly. So going on to the cryptocurrency markets, Bitcoin holds steady at 19,000 amid growing signs of institutional adoption. Bitcoin on Tuesday floated out of the 19,000 level. That's at the recording of this podcast and the reading of this article, where it has remained for about a month with some monetary breaks. The large the largest cryptocurrency by market cap, whose volatility has been on characteristically low in recent weeks, was lashed slower by 0.7% at $19,074.31, according to Coinmetrics Ether, fell 1.6% to $1,286.74. Crypto prices remain depressed, while Bitcoin off its all-time high from nearly a year ago by more than 70%. Chart analysis have been looking for the cryptocurrency to break lower to retest its June lows of about 17,000 and find new bottoms, potentially as lows of 10,000. If it fails to hold at 19,000 slight breaks below the level haven't proven to be meaningful. However, crypto markets continue their slumber with little progress either way, said Richard Usher, head of the OTC trading at BCB uh, Group. Until broad risk bounces, the sector won't. Traders are keeping an eye on economic data out later this week, though recent Bitcoin volatility is low compared to with stocks. The correlation between the two is still high. The price of Bitcoin is maintaining the 19,000 level, but with the FOMC minutes and CPI head this week, the market will likely refrain from taking risk, which in turn will likely put pressure on Bitcoin. The crypto analysis at Japanese crypto exchange uh, Bitty Bank told CNBC Tuesday. Prices held steadily even after two big announcements signaling the institutional acceptance and adoption of crypto continues to build in spite of the bear market on Tuesday. Google announced it would explore using Coinbase services for storing and trading cryptocurrencies. On top of that, BNY Mellon said on Tuesday that it would add cryptocurrency to its various assets it holds at Custody Manager. These large companies believe that the potential for digital assets and Web3, said Owen Lowe, analysis at Oppenheimer. It takes time to build, but these companies are taking a long-term view and to bulk up their capabilities to make sure they don't be, they won't be left in behind in three to five years. In the past month, NASDAQ also launched crypto custody for institutionals and Franklin Templin, Bertman, uh, 
betterment society general and wealth managers have made four years into crypto. Still, prices will likely be stuck for some time. The Federal Reserve pushed crypto into the well in his rate hiking plan, and investors say it's on the central bank to pull it back out. Okay. A lot of trends have been going towards the crypto markets overall. Okay. And the fact that this isn't talked about either much on CNBC right now is quite surprising that you have companies like Google that are planning to explore its Coinbase services for storing and trading cryptocurrencies, which means Google sees some, some value to the crypto market currently right now. And obviously B and BNY Mellon says that they'll be adding it as well, which is kind of a big step because BNY Mellon, if I'm not mistaken, is like one of the first original banks. They've changed their name, I believe, in time. It's hard to keep track of a lot of when banks change their names, but if I'm if I'm I'm pretty sure it could be BNY that was the original founding bank of the United States of America. I need to look into that later. But it seems like in general, cryptocurrencies are on the rise again. It really does seem like that. And and this is something that needs to be brought up too. I mean, inflation rates across the world right now are insane. Recently, we had read that the United Kingdom was at 12.8% inflation rate currently right now. Turkey was at close to 90%. Sri Lanka's economy completely collapsed during the summer, if I'm not mistaken. And who knows what the United States true inflation is right now, currently right now. Some say it's about 8%. I personally think it's a lot higher, but that's just me. What becomes more interesting with cryptocurrencies this overall is that there's only so many Bitcoins that can be made in general. Like what, 300 million was it? I can't remember the exact number. But it's it just seems like at the end of the day, Bitcoin could be potentially, at least in my opinion, I mean, I remember when I heard the words that they were going to be printing money to to give out to people during the COVID lockdowns, I remember thinking, I was like, this money has virtually become worthless and I'd rather invest in Bitcoin, which I did. Probably one of the smartest investment decisions I had made in a very long time. This is not financial advice, but just at the time, a couple of years back, I remember thinking this is what needs to be done because what they're giving me is virtually worthless as soon as it's printed. And I still have that firm belief that as long as you can keep printing dollars, the US dollar becomes weaker and weaker every single day. and I'd rather keep owning things that have scarcity of some way, shape, or form. And in my opinion, Bitcoin might be it. Maybe that's why these companies are finally realizing they need to invest in Bitcoins because of the scarcity of Bitcoin. So hard to tell. On to the next article about the EV markets in the making. Honda's new 4.4 billion EV battery plant will be built in Ohio. Honda Motor and LG Energy Solution on Tuesday said a new multi-billion dollar plant to produce batteries for electric vehicles will be located in Ohio. Construction of the new facility located about 40 miles southwest of Columbus is expected to begin in early 2023, followed by mass production of lithium-ion batteries by the end of 2025. The battery plant is expected to cost $3.5 billion with overall investment by an unnamed joint venture eventually reaching $4.4 billion, the company said. Honda and LGES announced plans for the joint venture and battery plant last year, but has not been revealed a location. With the facility is expected to employ about 2,200 people, the company says. In addition to the new battery plant, Honda on Tuesday said it will plan its plans to invest 700 million to retool several of its existing auto and powertrain plants for production of EVs. The Japanese automaker expects to begin production and sales of EVs in North America in 2026. The announcements are part of several recent multi-billion dollar investments in U.S. production of EVs and batteries amid the tightening emissions regulations and legislation to encourage domestic manufacturing. 
Automakers are facing stricter sourcing guidelines that are part of the United States-Mexico-Canada Agreement, formerly known as North America Free Trade Agreement, and the more recently, the Inflation Reduction Act. Both policies increase requirements for domestically sourced vehicle parts and materials in order to avoid tariffs or qualify for financial incentives. Honda has plans to phase out traditional inter internal combustion engines and exclusively offer battery electric and fuel cells electric vehicles by 2040 North America. It's part of the company's plans to achieve carbon neutrality by 2050. LGES, a spinoff from LG Chem, has also announced joint ventures with General Motors, Hyundai Motors, and Jeep maker uh, Stellantis. And that ties in with GM currently right now. GM is launching a new business to connect homes and businesses with EV chargers and energy storage. General Motors on Tuesday said it's forming a new business unit to offer stationary battery packs, solar panels, electric vehicle chargers, and other energy management pro products for home and businesses. The new unit called GM Energy aims to build on the battery and software expertise that GM has amassed in recent years to develop a new line of electric vehicles that will in time replace its internal combustion offerings. GM will offer products and services for what the company calls energy management, including hardware such as batteries and solar panels, as well as hydrogen fuel cells, and importantly, cloud-based software that can link these offerings with electric vehicles and utility companies. The products, some of which will be provided by partners, can be tailored for individual homeowners, as well as businesses, including companies operating fleets and electric vehicles. The commercial operations are already, are already underway, while home energy systems will be available starting next year at the year 2024. Chevron Silverbolt EV goes on sale. The goal of GM Energy is twofold. Assist the, assist the automaker in controlling the consumer experience when they purchase a new EV and create a sustain, sustainable business as GM attempts to double annual revenue to $280 billion by the end of this decade. Dang, that's did not realize they were trying to aim for that. Travis Heister, Vice President of GM's EV growth operations, said the new business units offer customers and energy grids resiliency. Quote, if you have a sudden unexpected power outage, then you can use your vehicle or stationary storage box to be able to power your home or small business, he said. And the batteries can feed energy back into the regional power grid during a heat wave or other event. Yeah, that's going to be interesting to see people plug in their cars to have to deal with that. Continuing on, says GM is the first... In the space, most notably Tesla has offered charging solar and energy storage for several years. There are more traditional competitors such as uh, generic. Ford Motor is, is also entering the space. The company accessible, um, addressable market is, of products and services began targeted by GM Energy in between $125 billion and $250 billion, according to Heister. He told CNBC that growing concerns about the U.S. power grid makes this a timely offering. I said that GM Energy has already signed up a series of partners that will help deliver products and services and integrate its offering into the grid. Those partners include Solar Giant, SunPower, which will install GM home systems and provide solar panel and regional utility companies, including Pacific Gas, Electric, PG&E, and Con Edison. Okay, the, this EV push is becoming more and more interesting as time progresses, okay? I mean... We just recently in California went through our own version of the blackouts. I don't know if it actually happened in parts of California. There was a emergency text sent out saying like, hey, they're using too much energy. I mean, if you have, I feel sorry that you had to go through that outage during that time. But they're saying that you can use your car to plug into your home when there's a power outage. Here's my ultimate question with the whole EV battery situation. 
if I'm not mistaken, we have recently read that a battery pack that was made for PG&E from Australia recently caught fire. I think that was recorded in past podcasts. Go listen to past podcasts to find that one. But that did happen. So what's going to happen if someone has to plug in their car into their homes in order to get electricity when there's a power outage and the car's plugged in overnight and when you wake up the next day, there's still no power in your home? Or or how, how about this? How about this? How about this? This is another big one too. The floods recently just happened with, in Florida, okay? The, the the Hurricane Ian that just went through, okay? If you guys remember looking at the news on that, on that, there's a lot of areas that were flooded, okay? Can you plug in your car into an electric outlet if there's flooding? I mean, that could work for a bit, but at the end of the day, you're still going to need a power generator in some way, shape, or form. I think EV batteries will be good in a sense of if you want to save the environment, fine, you can do that. But in natural disaster times, I think you still need oil and gas in order to survive in general. I mean, I don't see like, okay, like if, think, think of this way too. If an earthquake happens in California, there is no way, in my opinion, that a car is going to be able to help power your home. I mean, what if your home falls to the ground completely? Like it's demolished. Earth, that's what earthquakes can do sometimes. Now I get there's new building codes. But EV batteries, I mean, they're making this giant push and all these car companies are like, oh, we're going to get rid of gasoline-powered vehicles. I think this is going to eventually backfire. I don't know when. I just personally think it will eventually backfire. Maybe someone who's more into the science world can help me on that to make me come to a better conclusion. But I think natural areas that are affected a lot by natural disasters, I don't think EV batteries are the solution for a lot of this stuff going forward. Could be wrong. Now for the big article, and this is what's confusing me a little bit, okay? And that's to do with a company called Nightscope, okay? Nightscope announces acquisition of Case Emergency Systems. Now, you might be wondering, what is Case and what's these emergency systems? Well, if you attend a local college right now, or if you've been out and about, you might see like this pole that says emergency, and there's a button that you can press, it's this blue pole that has a blue light on top. And I think sometimes some of them have solar panels to be able to have the electricity go into them. They're kind of like a phone in a way. I know for a fact they're on most college campuses across the United States because I remember both at the junior college and when I transferred to a four-year university that they were on the campuses I was at. They bought that company, okay? The article says, Nightscope, a leading developer of autonomous security robots, today announced the signing of a definitive agreement to acquire case emergency systems and to close on the transaction during October. The acquisition is planned to boost the company's revenues while increasing its positive impact on the safety of communities nationwide. The press release, Multimedia. Uh, Nightscope announces, correction, continuing on the article, Case is a leader in blue light emergency phones and an innovator in next generational wireless emergency communications technology, providing Nightscope with a strategic entry into the nationwide market. Audited full year results reflect Case generated over 5.4 million of profitability revenue in 2021. The accelerated transaction provides a significant increase in physical presence of Nightscope with over 7,000 devices currently deployed across the United States. Nine production and logistic facilities spread throughout California, Texas, and New York, and a seasoned team located across four states. 
The acquisition is planned to contribute to Nightscope's sales strategy, given case relationship with numerous key clients, including major airports, top law enforcement agencies, universities, municipalities, rail, healthcare, parks, and the U.S. federal government. These relationships will come will complement and strengthen Nightscope's growing autonomous, uh, autonomous security robot business with a comprehensive productive portfolio and broadened physical footprint. The Nightscope management team intends to grow the company organically as well as it adds to its core solutions portfolio through future opportunistic op- 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 acquisitions based on target revenue, free cash flow, technology, talent, and facilities. The case transaction is structured as an asset purchase in connection with acquisition Nightscope entered into a convertible notes offering with the accredited investor generating cash proceeds to fund the majority of the acquisition with such notes having an initial conversion price at $5 per share subject to adjustment in the a case of certain uh, dilutive issueness and other events. Further details regarding the acquisition from the convertible notes are included in the current report on form K on 8-K filed by the SEC. As part of the transaction, Sebastian E. Gutierrez, founder and president and CEO of Case, is joining Nightscope as senior vice president of public safety infrastructure development. Quote, in order to achieve our long-term mission of making the United States of America the safest country in the world, we must drive a massive upgrade to our nation's public safety infrastructure. Nightscopes tend to do the that by leveraging our current and future technologies in a major overhaul and expansion effort nationwide, working closely with our clients, building on what Case has built. We welcome the Case team to the Nightscope family, and together we will accelerate our journey to a safer, brighter future in the initiative technologies and comprehensive public safety, said William Santana Lee, Chairman and CEO of Nightscope. And last quote we'll read from Case is, Case is excited to team up with Nightscope, and we see a great deal of synergies from revenue generation to new technology development, to economics, to correction, to economies of scale. We look forward to putting our expertise in public safety, wireless communications, solar, and operations to work to pursuit of our shared mission. That is from the former CEO, or the current CEO of Case, who's now going to become the VP at Nightscope. Okay. This is what it boils down to. And this is what I, I find a little bit mind-boggling. Nightscope shares barely budged on the news. Okay, now granted, $5.4 million is not a lot of money for a startup, okay? But for a company like Nightscope, having an extra bit of revenue coming in from another product or service with already 7,000 current, over 7,000 current products already out there, it's kind of a big deal. Nightscope currently has about over 100 robots deployed. Now you have an additional 7,000 in the making when this goes through, obviously, when they officially buy out the company, okay? It will not affect Nightscope's earnings this quarter, okay? It will probably kick into effect the following quarter, beginning of 2023, okay? Another good thing I see with this happening, Nightscope has been burning through a lot of cash, okay? And it takes them, they, they have a backlog. I think it's like they have a backlog of 30 orders currently right now for the company. and they, at least that's that they had reported last quarter that they had a backlog of 30. Now they have more distribution plants to help build their machines, okay? In California, Texas, New York, okay? Nightscope is probably going to expand their operations to be able to start building their robots in those operation plants when the acquisition goes through officially. What's going to be nice too is they're going to be able to take that recurring revenue right now from Case, and be able to pump that back into the business. If you 
if they can re- maintain the $5.4 million that they're getting from Case right now, you're looking at revenue that's going to help grow the company a lot faster and faster in the making potentially, okay? Because those little emergency polls, they just sit around. I mean, granted, what's to say someone's not going to be able to just pull out their cell phone? That's a whole other story, but there's at least a revenue coming in for Nightscope currently right now. This is a big deal. It's not a big deal today. And it it's it's not going to feel like it to Wall Street. Give it time, though. It will be, okay? All this does now, like I said, now Nyscope has over 7,000 devices out there. 7,000. Think about it. They went from 100 devices, over 100. I think it was like 129 last I checked with 30 backlog. And now they have 7,000. I don't even know what that percentage increase is. It's some massive number in the making. That's a huge increase for Nightscope or a startup company. I personally think Nightscope is going to change a lot of stuff in the future. It's going to help prevent potentially a lot of crime, hopefully. Nightscope's making the right moves currently right now. This isn't financial advice. I just personally believe Nightscope's going to be a huge game changer. I've always believed that, okay? I wasn't a believer at first, okay? I've been studying Nightscope since 2017, okay? And one of the biggest reasons I personally got into Nightscope is because I realized that it's either the next biggest thing since Tesla or was the next biggest flop since the internet came out in the early 2000s. Because there's a lot of companies that went under in 2000, at least internet company-wise. Nightscope's making moves. Wall Street's not noticing it. How long until Wall Street does notice it is the ultimate question. Like I said, $5.4 million of revenue is not that big of a deal. But to me, it should be kind of a bigger deal. And Wall Street doesn't care. So, but what's going to be nice too, is like I said, they have more production areas now and they're going to be able to expand the robots. I wouldn't be, pers- I wouldn't be surprised either if they start being able to get the robots out deployed faster, which means there might be a lot more sales coming soon for Nightscope. Should be interesting to watch. I'll leave it there. With that being said, fellow podcast, list- podcast listeners, thank you so much for listening to today's podcast. I hope you have enjoyed it. If you had, please like and subscribe to this podcast. As every like and subscription it helps grow this channel so we'll be able to keep talking about events that Wall Street isn't always willing to talk about on their channels. With that being said, please also share with friends or family as they might be able to enjoy this podcast as well to get the information as well. With that being said, fellow podcast listeners, thank you so much for listening to today's podcast today. Thank you and goodbye.